If you're looking at some of the images uh, through the news throughout the day, certainly uh, you're seeing massive, massive, uh, they're not rallies. They are massive protests across the uh, Middle East, some European countries, and I don't know what we will see in Canada or even Toronto today. Um, but the question I think a lot of um, us should be asking is, do we have an extremism problem? You know, we see the protests. And just a few weeks ago, we were questioning, remember, India was just in the news. <laughs> it was a pretty big story. And, and we had all these extremist Khalistani sympathizers. You know, they're out there. And they've made their presence known in this country. But, you know, we've got calls for jihad today on Jews. Palestinian protests calling for intifada, uh, intifada against Jews. And what has changed? I mean, there are always protests when Israel and Palestine fight, but what is new are these coordinated countrywide demonstrations specifically celebrating terror against civilians. Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Risk Threat uh, Consulting, also a former CSIS analyst, uh, joining us now. And, and in your time in CSIS, your, I think your expertise was mainly, um, you know, radicalism uh, w within the Muslim community, correct? That's correct, Alex. Is that I was an Islamist terrorism specialist, and since my so-called retirement from the service in mm. 2015, <laughs> I've written yeah. six books on the topic. So I think I know a little bit about uh, jihadism and and what and the threat it poses, not just to Canada but internationally. Yeah, I think you're about to get a lot more busy because I think you know it kind of seemed to go away for a while, and it didn't clearly because what was going on behind the scenes is that Hamas and all these groups were, were coming up for a big plan while everyone was looking away. But now we are in the throes of it. And is it, you know, we know that this has been going on for a long time, but how do you view what we're seeing now? What is different now with what you would see back a few years ago? Do we have Phil? Okay. We're going to try to get Phil back. I think we lost his line, which is um, always fun uh, when you're talking Middle Eastern politics because, you know, it's just one of those things you can rhyme off. Um, but yes, to his point, he's always done this. And one of the things I think we've ignored to our detriment in this country is the fundraising. And we have a lot of different groups. They all have these nifty names, peace for whatever cause, whatever. Do you know where you're putting your money? Are they checked out? I think if we probably look through a lot of the fundraising mechanisms in this country, regardless of the politics or the religion, we'd probably find out that they're not so much helping charity, but helping, you know, really nefarious and bad actors. Do we have a uh, feedback? Not yet. Still working on it. Oh. Good times. All right. So that's going to be the kind of statement, because what I wanted to talk to Phil about is who are these groups? You know, who are these groups? Because I've never heard of some of these groups. And I've been watching a lot of this stuff uh, for some time. But who are these new groups that have become so organized? All right, now we've got it back. Maybe it was the jihadi yeah, uh, taking our line out. Well, well, let's just blame it on the bad guys. Um, yeah. All right, and so what's different about what we're seeing today versus what you would have seen maybe a few years ago? Not a heck of a lot. And, you know, just before we got cut off, you, you raised the point that people drew this conclusion. I'm not sure where they, why they drew it, yeah. that somehow the jihadis had disappeared. And I kept reminding people, if you look at what's happening around the globe, Islamist terrorism, whether it's ISIS or Al-Qaeda or their affiliates or Al-Shabaab or Hamas or whatever, we're still responsible for 99% plus of the attacks around the world. And, and, and here in Canada, Alex, the, the conversation said, well, it's all about the far right. It's about the Proud Boys and the, and the Hammer Kings <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. I kept saying... Where are your nope. statistics to support this? These guys didn't go away. And so what happened, I think, with Hamas was a surprise in, in the sense of the scale of the attack, and it was unprecedented. 
But it should have surprised no one that Hamas, A, still does this and found an opportunity to successfully attack Israel. Yeah, and, and we do hear a lot of people, and it's like, yeah, the, the truckers were annoying. But never was I like, oh, my God, the Nazis are coming. Because I don't, I, you know, Jews don't really get worried about the one Nazi flag. What they get worried about are the chants in the street that no one seems to recognize. You know, the, the chants that sound like a song, but they are really a call uh, for the destruction of Jew, uh, Israel and, and and the death of Jews. And so what needs to happen? Because clearly everyone's taking their eye off of this. Um, and we are seeing protests, and we need leadership on them. But how much um, work needs to get done to figure out, like, why, where are we seeing these rallies, and what are they going to do to stamp down on them? Because they're much bigger yeah. numbers, if you ask me. I mean, we've we've seen protests all the time, but we uh, these are much bigger numbers than I recall. You're right. Now, protest is a right under their charter, and it should be. Yep. However, you know, saying that you're angry at Israeli policy in the West Bank, and there's legitimate reasons to be critical of Israel in that regard, is not the same as celebrating a Hamas terrorist attack in which 1,200 people die and babies are slaughtered and beheaded and women are raped and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't envy my, my former colleagues at CSIS, my law enforcement friends, of whom I have many, to try to keep this thing under, under control because you've got to try to a really fine line between a, a charter right to protest Versus, you know, he's calling out for support for a terrorist group. So, I don't know, Alex. I mean, a lot of people are very nervous right now, and I understand that. Um, I'm still kind of a, an optimistic guy in the sense that we don't see a lot of actual terrorism in Canada. And the beauty is, and this is what I found when I worked at CSIS, the vast majority of idiots who post stupid stuff online never do anything because they're cowards or they're incapable. Sure. So don't don't draw a line between the, 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 the absolute garbage you see on you know on Instagram or on X or on whatever kind of thing and real world events, but I think law enforcement security are rightly concerned uh, and they'll do the best job they can to keep us safe. Yeah, albeit you know we did have one on Danforth that was then spun somehow into mental illness when it, it you know there was enough I think evidence at the time that we were not allowed to see or hear about that that was much more than than what we were told. But when you look at the student groups, you know at York University last night, I mean they they were putting out all this language, it's a very overt. Uh, Jew hate on university campuses. You've seen it across the university campus. It, it, it is a big problem. Um, how much of that gets watched? What's the intelligence on our universities? Well, and again, I, I don't need to sort of split hairs here, but you know, hate speech is, is, is a, a different part of the criminal code. And there is no organization like CSIS isn't in, into hate speech. They're into threats to national security or public safety. So it's a real tough one. And, of course, CSIS is, is, you know, they're run ragged because they're not just looking at mm-hmm. terrorism. They've been told to look at the far right and Russia and China's interference in our elections. And, <laughs> I know. and, and then no one listens to them because they don't get the memos. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you, yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on our security and law enforcement because they don't have the resources to do this. But so it, it is definitely worrisome. And I do want to add, by the way, Alex, that, you know, I think you mentioned that there was this call, you know, Hamas put out a call for international, yep. you know, support. There was a, t- a teacher killed in France this yes. morning. Um, yes, yeah, I, I don't have mm. more details on that. I have a friend who works for the Gendarmerie in France, but he doesn't have any more details. But it seems that at least somebody has uh, picked up on this and decided to act on it. So it, it is a very, very tense time right now. And I wouldn't rule out, you never rule out the possibility. I'm just saying I'm not so sure it's probable we're going to see in Canada, but the hate speech has to Well, be it only takes one person, right? Like, it takes one well, person. So where would the intelligence where would the intelligence be today? Well, it would be looking at people of whom you are aware. And so I'm guessing when I worked at CSIS, mind you, I left eight years ago, 
from a counterterrorism perspective, it was 99% Islamist terrorism because that's where the threat. Remember, this is the days of Nathan Cirillo being killed. These are the other plots. These are some of the ISIS returnees. That effort has been split where it's 50-50 now, far right versus Islamists. Is it going to you know, go back to a lot of your Islamists? I don't know. But you can't watch everybody, and your intelligence is only as good as the sources you develop, and you hope that you're watching the right people. And again, further my earlier point, if you were to try to you know, investigate any idiot who puts, puts stuff online, you never end because there's far too many of them. And so we're good at what we do, but I, I really think that in terms of money and resources, there are enough people to look at maybe all the people that you should be looking at from the get-go. Yeah, and so if you were going back in, now on the outside looking in, on knowing all the problems we have with our security and certainly government structures that don't uh, listen to it, where would you be yeah. zeroing in? Well, I mean, obviously I'm biased as the author of yeah. books on the topic and having worked it for 15 years and worked on hundreds of cases in Canada, but I'd be, I'd be highly suggesting that at least for the time being, that, you know, we reallocate the resources back to the jihadis. This is not to say that the far right is not of concern. It is, but numbers don't lie. And statistics tell the truth is that pound for pound or in Canada, kilo for kilo, it's still jihadis really the roots on the terrorism front. And I think what happened in Israel on Saturday is possibly going to lead to more threats within this country. And that's where the resources should be dedicated. We're losing you to the digitization of the uh, Internet world, but my time is up with you anyway, so maybe that timed out okay. Uh, Phil, very much uh, appreciate your time. My pleasure, Alex. Have a good weekend. Oh, you too. Oh, yeah. Let's get one. Let's get one. All right. Thank you. We'll talk again. That's Phil Gursky joining us, uh, you know, on this Friday. And so you got to wonder what the intelligence communities are doing, what the police are doing. Knowing all the problems, we certainly know out of the truck convoy stuff that they don't talk, the police agencies, and we know that intelligence doesn't really talk and, and they can send memos out to those in charge and they don't really look at them. Yeah, I mean, are they watching anything?